sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And their virgin name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be unto me according to thy word. Hello, my name is Deborah, Mary's sister. I really look up to my sister Mary, even though I know she's not perfect. I do think that she trusts in God more me more than most people. The other day, Mary saw an angel. The angel told her, even before she married her fiance, Joseph, she wasn't going, she was going to have a baby. That baby wouldn't be Joseph's. It would be God's. And the baby would be the son of God. I guess Joseph wondered all about this. But an angel talked to him too. He's very excited about the new baby. My parents often talked about the coming of Isaiah, God's son, and the great things he will do. I can hardly wait. What a wonderful baby he will be.
it came to pass in those days that there went out a grief from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went up to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed into the spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn.
same country, shepherds abiding in the field, you can watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the throne of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. One to you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the gate at the southern coast and the world. And suddenly there was with the angel of multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the house, and on earth peace for good toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. The, as they came with haste, they found Mary and Joseph and, and the baby lying in the room. <coughs> Thank you. 
Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came a wise man from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he, that born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard heard all these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophets, And though Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people, Israel. When Herod had had the privilege, he came to the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star came. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. six years old. He is a wise and noble man in our country. One night he was in his garden looking out at the sky. He noticed a very bright, unusual star. He called for his old scrolls and parchment and went into a special study room. He studied for several hours. Then he asked me to run and get his friends, the other men on the council of the wise. They knew this must be important because Balthazar accidentally come in the middle of the night. When they went into Balthazar's study, they talked until daylight. Finally, my master came out and made an announcement. We told you to be at the find a new king. We were so happy. I dreamed to find a king. We got all our camels and tents and started on a long trip. The star led us the whole way to Bethlehem, a small village in a dusty desert area. But the king we found was just a little child. He looked like any other poor child. He didn't have a palace or have servants or fine clothes. I was disappointed, but Balthazar wasn't. My master and his wife friend not before the child and gave him expensive headings. I didn't understand. When Balthazar saw my close face, he said, This child is mine over here, King. He is the most special king of all, the king of kings. Thank you. 
The angels announced him in Bethlehem's skies, the child that was seen to another child's eyes. To one he was coming as God's only son, another the shelter to which we can run. To even another, the lamb would die, and one saw him king of the earth and sky. So who is this Jesus? Now you must decide. So come and adore him, with you he'll abide. for the Christmas program. Ellen, can you stand up here?
Christian for Costa. <laughs> the flowers will fade, but the Costa never, right? <laughs> All right. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, please. Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles. Timothy did a phenomenal job. They saved all the uh, messing up for the, for the, for the actual uh, practices and did a great job on the day. Praise the Lord. It always comes together. No matter how much you stress over, it always comes together. Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles, please. I'm going to read the Christmas story. Christmas is not Christmas without the Christmas story. We're soon to celebrate Christmas Day, the one day in the year when the whole world remembers the incarnation of the Son of God over 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ is so important that he divided history into A.B.C. and A.D. B.C. of course means before Christ and A.D. for the Latin speakers means Anno Domini is translated in the year of our Lord, okay? And now this is now 2023, Anno Domini, our Lord Jesus Christ, is so important that he divided history, but also he is mentioned in just about every country, just about every culture. He's the subject of artists' impressions and authors' writings. He is, his name is constantly referred to in the Western world, both honorably and dishonorably, but his name is mentioned, and you have to travel very far and wide to find a person who's never heard of Jesus. We in this room know that Jesus is the Son of God. And since Jesus is such an important person, you'd like to think that when he, was, when he came to earth, he would have received a rapturous welcome. What did he? Let's go to Matthew chapter 2 and find out. Matthew chapter 2 in our Bibles. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod heard, the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem and the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come forth a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I do pray you bless your word. This afternoon, as we spend a few moments around the word of God, may it really make an impression on our hearts. Lord, we want to ask the question, will you receive him? Will you receive him? Lord God, as we focus on that question, would you use your word in our hearts? In Jesus' precious name, amen. The question is, will you receive the Lord Jesus? If you were one of those people back then in Bible times, would you have received him? I want to say, first of all, the king of Judea did not receive him. He didn't receive him. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, wise men came, verse 2, saying, Where is the king of the Jews? Verse 3, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. Now Herod was troubled because that's the type of person he was. 
He, he had, uh, when he heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, he was troubled. Some say that Herod, there were seven Herods in the New Testament. The Herod mentioned in this text, it's again and again called Herod the Great, or should I say, he was Herod the Great, not because he was great as a person, but that was his title. He was called Herod the King. He was the first Herod. The, the Bible says so he's the first of the Herods. Herod had many sons, and he also had grandsons. In fact, he had sons and grandsons that carried his name. Some of you may have heard of, of some fella. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find the information on it, but years ago, I heard of a fella naming his kids Elvis. So what's your daughter's name, Elvis? What's your son's name, Elvis? What's your other son's name, Elvis? I think it was a bit Elvis mad. And these people had no identity, only the name Elvis. Obviously after Elvis Presley. Well, Herod was about the same. He named his kids Herod. He had a few kids called Herod. He had a few grandchildren called Herod. The word Herod apparently means hero. That's what he thought about himself. Herod was an Ishmaelian. He was not a Jew. He was an Edomite. He married 10 wives, and he only had seven children by those 10 wives. But there you go. But you know, some, several of those uh, children intermarried sinfully. Herod was the, a man of position and wealth. He was called a king, though he was answerable to Caesar. Though he invested heavily in the temple, doubling its size, commentator Albert Barnes points out, he was as much distinguished for his cruelty and his crimes as for his greatness. Wow. Herod could only think of one thing. Power. And he was willing to do absolutely anything he had to do to take care of any rivals or threats. In his paranoia, he was prepared to execute family members. And sadly, five days before his own death, he executed his firstborn son. That was Herod. So you can understand why the, when the Bible says when Herod was troubled, all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Herod saw Jesus as his threat and not his need. Verse 4, when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes and people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. See, Herod didn't need God. Herod didn't want God. Herod didn't need religion. And he certainly didn't need forgiveness of sins. He was way too important for all of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 says this. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And may I add, to give the context there, unto salvation. Herod did not and would not receive the Lord Jesus Christ as a saviour. Why would he receive a saviour who he would spend the rest of his life battling with? All he desired was power and authority. That was what Herod, should I say, lived for. And if Herod was to receive our Lord's salvation, he would have to stop fighting God. And be willing to do some serious soul searching. Herod did not receive Christ because Christ did not fit his ambition. He didn't fit his ambition. There's another group of people mentioned in the scriptures and what we just read. It was Herod, the king of Judea. But then there's a second group of people, the religious leaders. The religious leaders didn't receive Christ either. Look at verse 4 and 5. When he was gathered all the chief priests and scribes and people together, he demanded them where Christ should be born and they were able to tell them in Bethlehem of Judea, because that's what the Bible says, right? It's written by the prophets. 
They knew where they should be able to find the Christ, but they were not interested. Christ was born in a feeding trough for cattle in a cold stable, and the religious leaders really didn't seem to care. Christ's arrival was heralded by angels, but that meant nothing to them either. He was sinless, he was the spotless Lamb of God, and they were completely oblivious. God was well dwelling among them, but the religious leaders of the day completely missed it. You know, last week my dad sent me a video, and it was about uh, this rabbi, I presume he was a rabbi, he was a learned Jew, and uh, he knew exactly what the Christian arguments were. I watched most of the video. I certainly got the, the, the tenet of the video. But he knew what the Christians believe. He knew about the New Testament. He was able to quote the New Testament. And he knew exactly what the New Testament teaches. And he knew the Christian arguments. And he, for every argument, he had a counter-argument. Have you ever come across people like that? They're able to argue anything. And they are able to make themselves look very, very... They're very astute at it. They're able to make their, look, make their arguments look very compelling indeed. You see, these religious leaders were like that. They read the scriptures just like we do, and for perhaps even more, they probably studied the scriptures more than we studied the scriptures. But the whole thing is they missed the point. They were all, they've always been looking for a king who would come in royal apparel to overthrow the Gentile world of free Jerusalem. And that's the only thing they could see in Scripture, what they were looking for. They would read the Scripture from that perspective alone. And they completely ignored and missed the fact that they were religious leaders, but they were lost. They were sinners in need of the Savior. They didn't just need national deliverance, they needed personal deliverance. And if they were reading the Scriptures from a national point of view and missing the personal point of view, they missed the whole point. I sat through theology courses and in universities I hear what they have to say they read the Bible, they study the Bible they teach the Bible and they completely miss the point they don't get it because they're looking for what they want to look for rather than looking for what it says the Bible has a message all on its own. It has a perspective all on its own. It has a teaching all on its own. And, it, and God wants us to read it for what it says. And these religious leaders are the same in Israel as they were back then. They were looking for national deliverance for 2,000 years ago. They're looking for the same thing today. And such were the religious leaders who condemned Jesus to the cross. Now, knowing the scriptures, how could they condemn Jesus to the cross? Well, the answer is very simple. Last week we received a Marks and Spencer's chocolate and pretzel mix box as a gift. It was lovely. We really enjoyed eating the, the, the treats. But someone, not sure who it was, went through that pretzel box and grabbed all the chocolates out of it, leaving only chocolate behind, or sorry, only pretzels behind. And you know, I don't really prefer dried pretzels, but the mix was amazing. You with me here this morning? And that's what the religious did, leaders did. They cherry-picked what they wanted out of that box of, or out of that book, should I say. They cherry-picked what they wanted out of Scripture, and they left the rest behind. You can't do that with the Word of God. You can't pick and choose what you want, what suits you. But that's what the religious leaders did. And when they did that, they had a, a religious system that lacked any spiritual blessing. 
They had a religion that could not change their hearts and it couldn't change their lives. And I submit to you this morning, if you are like those religious leaders and you have a religion that cannot change your heart and it cannot change your life, it's no good to you. There's no power in it. Their religion was powerless. It was dead. Their system of works might have made them feel better about themselves. But their religion had no time for God or his son, Jesus Christ. I was talking to a religious group and they were passing out literature. And the first thing I see in there, they had a manger scene. And I, I, I saw what they were doing and I thought, wow, I wonder, are these Christians? And I saw their literature, I saw where they were coming from. I saw their denomination. I knew for immediately they weren't Christian. So I took out a gospel leader and I said, this will tell you why Jesus died on the cross. And they were like, now, these are the same people who are passing out literature in City West. But they, they recalcitrate, uh, become recalcitrant when, they, when I try to give them a gospel tract and they cower away as if it's something terrible. This is the word of God. It has the word of God in it. This is the message. I said, it's about Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ, yes? Yeah. Well, maybe it's not the same Jesus that I believe in because I believe in a Jesus who died on the cross. Who took my sins upon himself on the cross. I believe in Jesus in a Jesus who, who, who didn't stay on that cross, but he was buried and he rose again the third day. And right now he's on the right hand of the Father. And I believe in that Jesus is coming again, don't you? Any other Jesus is no good to me. If he didn't rise again from the dead, that's no good to me. And if, 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 he, if he's not coming back, that's no good to me. I want a Savior that's risen. I want a Savior that's living. I want a Savior that can help me in my life and walk with me through my life and make me better than I am already and change my life from the inside out and wash me in his blood and save me from my sins and save my wretched soul. I want a Savior who can save from hell and give me confidence that I'm saved from hell. Amen. That's what I believe. Any other religion has no power. No blessing. It's dead. And that's what they had. They had this dead works religion. All they wanted, these religious leaders, was political freedom. And they were willing to compromise with Rome until they got their political until, until, until they got their political freedom whenever it would come. They had this Roman religion. Powerless. Dead. These religious leaders did not receive Christ, brethren, because he didn't fit their politics. See, the king of Idumea, the, the king of, should I say, the king from Idumea, the king of Judea, Herod, did not receive Christ because he didn't fit his ambition. But for them, he didn't fit their politics. Nope, don't believe that. No good to me. That's not how it works, though, brethren. You should be looking at the scriptures for what they say, not for what we want them to say. I think we all understand that. But there's a third group of people I want to talk about this evening, this, this afternoon. That's the humble. The humble did receive him. Look at verse 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the Great, they Herod the King. I'm saying Herod the Great because that was his title. But he was Herod the King. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that was born King of the Jews? For we have seen the star in the east, and we are come to worship. Brethren, I want to tell you about the Magi for a minute this morning. This morning, these Magi were highly educated people. They were advisors to the king. You know, I want to tell you something. People say to me, "Oh yeah, yeah, I don't believe in the Bible. I believe in science." It's silly. I'm sorry. It's a silly thing to say because there are scientists who believe in the Bible. <laughs> Newton, John Newton. 
You know, believed in, believed in science. He has all these laws after his, his, his name. Yes, he believed the Bible. Robert, Robert Boyle, he believed the Bible. And I can't remember the name of the guy, but when y'all are appreciative of the MRI, he's still alive. He believes in the Bible from cover to cover. He believes the Bible just the way I do. What's his name? No, Ellen's a scientist. Ellen's a scientist. She believes the Bible. Anyway, I'm just telling you. These are not mutually exclusive. These are scientists who think outside the box and who, who look back to the book and say, you know, this makes sense. The Magi were highly educated advisors to kings, brethren. These learned priests and philosophers and astronomers were found in Arabia. But they originally came from Persia. Now think about this for a second. How did they get to Persia? Cicero leads us to understand that no man could be a king of the Persians before he understood the discipline and knowledge of the Magi and the wisdom of the Persian Magi. So he, they really respected these Magi, these wise men. The wise men were the Magi, right? Now Daniel was the head of one of the orders of the Magi. Remember, southern Israel were taken into captivity by the Babylonians, and they were brought over to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. But then when Babylon fell to the Persians, who is Iran, Babylon, Iraq, Iraq fell to Iran, Babylon fell, fell to the Persians in 540 BC, and Daniel was a chief ruler of the Babylonians, and they kept him on as a chief ruler because of his wisdom. Daniel made quite the impression, which lasted for centuries. And think of it for a minute. 500 years later, people who still look to the wisdom of Daniel came to seek out Jesus. 500 years later. Wow, isn't that powerful? Daniel's faith became the faith of the wise men of the East. And these wise men were wise enough to find Christ. Look at verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They traveled for miles and miles and miles, and they wouldn't rest until they found Jesus. Brethren, that's wise. That's wise. I think what's not wise not picking up this book. That's not wise. I'll tell you what's not wise. Never bothering to ever go to church. I thank God that every one of you forms the category of wisdom. Amen. <laughs> what's not wise is to reject the message of this book, is it? It's not wise to not listen to the wise men and seek out the faith of the wise men. Because brethren, I'm here this morning to tell you that the wise men found Jesus. Because they were willing to look. And they weren't willing to give up their search until they found him. That's wise. You know, you, you say, but I'm too busy. I don't know what your story is. But maybe you're thinking, well, I'm too busy. They were busy. They were, they were courtiers for the king, so to speak. They, they, they worked. They were advisors to the king. They gave up months of their life. And they said, king, I just got to go. Maybe they were different countries. 
And commentators speculate that one might have been from Arabia, and, and another one or some may have been. We don't know how many there were. It's all tradition, whether there was three or not. We don't know. But there were some, there, there, there was a number of them, and some may have come from Arabia, some may, them may have come from Persia. Most likely came from Persia. But they traveled and they, and they had to make reasons for the king and say, I've got the farrying, I've, I've been searching this for years. King, can I have some extended time off? I need a furlough, I need sabbatical, I need time off my job. I'll quit my job if I have to. I need to find the king. It was that important to them, brethren. These magi stood before kings, but it meant nothing to them if they didn't have Jesus. That's a great way to think, isn't it? They were wise enough and humble enough to realize that they needed him and nothing was going to stand in their way of finding him and receiving him. And I have to ask the question, what about you? What about you? This morning we saw that the king of Judea didn't receive Jesus. He didn't fit his ambition. Let me ask you the question, do you have life goals? I think it's good to have life goals, I really do. Do you have ambition? I think it's good to have ambition. But do those things hinder you from seeking and finding Jesus? That's when it becomes bad. Is there anything that stands between you and the Savior? Secondly, we saw the religious leaders, the religious didn't receive Jesus because he didn't fit their politics. Do you have political goals that our Lord Jesus just doesn't fit into. Do you have any goals that our Lord doesn't fit into? But then we saw the humble. They did receive him. When the wise men found Christ, they came to him in great humility, repentance, and faith. The one that would grow up to show them their own sinfulness, they received, and they humbly worshipped. The one who would die on the cross for their sins, they recognized as their Lord. I want to leave you with a question to ponder. If you were back there, back then, who would you more closely resemble? Who would you most closely resemble? Who would you most closely identify with? Would it be Herod, the man with great obsession with power and success? Or would it be the religious leaders, the people who whose political persuasion stood in the way of their salvation? Or would you be closer to the Magi, the people who meticulously searched until they found a saviour, and after they received, after they found him, they received him as their Lord? And I want to ask you the question, as you think on this, as we're building this question, have you personally received the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour? Are you 100% you're saved? You're forgiven. Herod and the religious leaders might have asked the question, does Jesus fit into my grid? We all have this box, we have this perspective, we have this blinkers on our life, and we have this, this is my focus, we all have this. And Herod and the political leaders might have asked, or the religious leaders might have asked, does Jesus fit into this? But I want to ask you a better question. Do you fit into his grid? Maybe that's a more important question. That does he fit into yours? What about, do you fit into his? That's what the wise would have asked. I trust that you will side with the wise this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Can we spend a few moments in prayer?